Spiritual Involution. That's our podcast. All right, we're officially on podcast number four, Spiritual Involution. This is Katie. This is David. And we're kind of winging it because we decided we'd rather be free. <laughs> That's so American. I love it. Freedom. Um, and the two of us have band-aids on. You have on your index finger I a do. Little Mermaid or a Disney Princess band-aid. This is so not Little Mermaid, dude. It's Anna and Elsa, Frozen. Oh, sorry. Get it together. Yeah, I guess so. And I've, and I'm a or, whole different generation. I've got the. Uh, I went to the dermatologist and they took some 50-year-old stuff off my skin. Mm. Apparently, I'm that at that age now. Oh yeah. It's good. So how is that age? I like it. I like it a lot. Mostly. Even when you have to get stuff cut off? Yeah. That sounds bad. It's just a mole. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't even a mole. It's just a a spot. And my doctor came, um, she came at me with uh, uh, an aerosol can. And she goes, just hold still. And I thought, should I? They don't numb it or anything? Oh, no. They just, okay. And and here you go. Hmm. Two of them. Well, you should get um, an Elsa Band-Aid. Yours is not fun. So if anything, by the end of this podcast, David will be in the possession of an Elsa band-aid. Mm-hmm. We have Star Wars. I think we have Nemo and Elsa. I'll go for the Star Wars. Yeah. My, we don't have any Harry Potter. so mm. Star Wars th- is good. For those of you that don't know, David is a huge Harry Potter fan. And your arms are both both fully sleeved with Harry Potter things, right? Last time I checked. Yeah. yeah. So what... Uh, what are we talking about well, today? Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk. Just talk like, you know, over tea because we have tea. Why, why do you like Harry Potter, though? Curious. I've always been... You know, somebody bought me, the, bought me the first Harry Potter book, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. And I, um, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get past the first chapter. Really? Yeah, I really couldn't. And um, then, I don't know how I got my hands on an audio book, and I was listening to it as I was commuting to work. Uh, I realize now that new names are difficult for me. So if I'm reading a book and there's like a McGonagall and a Dumbledore and, and a Hagrid, it's hard for me to track what's happening. But, okay, okay. But when I heard the book for the first time, I was um, completely enamored because like I think any great, any great spiritual testament, whether it's biblical or the Bhagavad Gita or... Star Wars or the Potter series, they're all allegorical. So for me, Potter is, for example, um, Harry Potter is a very rich, very rich wizard, but he doesn't know it. He has no idea that he has so many riches underground, mm. and he has no idea of his spiritual power. So he lives his life in a cupboard under the stairs of his aunt and uncle. So he has the experience of being poor, but he's not really. And I thought, wow, aren't we like that sometimes? We live like we're poor because we've forgotten who we are. Anyway. Funny, but, I never thought of it that way. Oh my goodness. I mean, I never really conceptually thought of it in that clear of terms of him not understanding. I don't know why, though. <laughs> it sounds so like obvious. And the only reason why he survived is because his mother's, his mother's love was the charm that could not be overturned. Yeah. That was the protection, was that the mother's was... love. I like it. Yeah, me too. So is Harry your favorite character then? Mm, no. You know, I think they all are because they are all different aspects of me. Kind of, if you don't mind my using... Um, do you remember Sex in the City, the series? Yes. Do you remember there's Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte and... Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte and Samantha. 
Um, I think you might be also out on the fact you're gay right now. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> maybe, maybe people might have guessed that. Well, if they hadn't guessed, that would just be a, the fact you know all their characters. Yeah, well, the reason why I'm bringing those up, if you don't mind me skirting away from that so quickly, is um, they're... Each character is a different aspect of my personality. Sometimes I'm the cheerful, You're a charming Samantha? ones. Well, yeah, I'm not. What? Let's move. Let's change. So tell me about your band-aid. <laughs> that was a, a weird twist from Harry mm. Potter. I wasn't thinking you were going to go to Sex in the City, but I get that. Do you think all good stories, in a way, capture parts of your own self? That, well, like yeah, for example, even uh, the bad parts. Let's use the four houses in the four houses in the Potter series, Slytherin. Uh, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. We're all brave like Gryffindors at some time, and we're all smart and clever like Ravenclaw, and we're all friendly and helpful like like Hufflepuff, and we're also um, clever and um, conniving, I think is the word, like Slytherin. We have those aspects. So why do you think the hat had to, wanted to put Harry in Slytherin oh. initially? I think that there's probably a lot of theories about that. Me personally, <laughs> me personally, um, because it saw that Harry's um, Harry's true nature would be to be heroic and to help others, but he could also have um, he could have his uh, his more conniving side if he didn't nurture. Wow, do we want to go there? I don't know. I'm yeah. just um, we're winging it. You know, this I is don't the winging it series. Uh, I think podcast. it's kind of like spirituality, um, left in its unused, untapped um, possibility. It can often create detriments. Like people who are very charismatic, if they don't use their charisma in a beneficial way, they can use it to manipulate. Hmm. And I think that's what happens. Like I think Slytherin is often misunderstood because people think that they would be the manipulators or the dark doers but in reality they often do the things that society needs that nobody really wants to have done right well that's that's kind of what the i don't know the characters as well snape is that yeah the teacher ended up right being that's another thing one you think is the bad guy i love the series so much um i remember reading book three for those of you who have never read these um forgive me uh Basically, book three is the Prisoner of Azkaban, and basically, you can read the entire um, six, eight hundred page book, and you are absolutely certain that Sirius Black is a bad man. And then you get some information later that reveals to you that you, the reader, were absolutely wrong. And for 600 pages, you were making assumptions based on things that were not actually true. So when I finished that book, um, that was really an entryway into spirituality to get that um, my view may not be accurate. Mm. My view is just my view, but it may not be based on reality. Or there might be two ways to look at reality and both could have correct insights, right? True. That's true. I like that idea, or it's intriguing at least. You've, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I just got distracted. For those of you listening, I've got uh, a lot of things on my Katie body. Now, she has a, now has a fruit sticker on the back of her hand that says "Well done." Well done. My son gave me this, and it's actually a scratch and sniff sticker, so oh. you can scratch it, and it smells. He says like like apples. Like an apple. It smells a little like cleaning detergent to me. Yeah, I'll reframe. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so how is this podcast going? Are people, is it serving people? Are people enjoying it? Well, I think a lot of people are Harry Potter fans. And even if they're not, the way you described it, I think. No, everyone, I meant the podcast. Oh, our own podcast. I thought yeah. you meant this initial one. I have no idea. I haven't had too much direct feedback, and I, but that I want the feedback. Have you gotten feedback? Mm-hmm. Um, not that I know of, no. So I have heard that people were drawn to our love episode, and that one was pretty off the cuff, and so that's kind of why I was wanting to keep it maybe more off the cuff. And I'm curious if people are interested in the deep dive, the philosophical questions sometimes because that's what I'm interested in but I think I'm also a little bit nerdy in that sense like I can go into research mode and like really dive deep on the details and for some reason I like that yeah but I have a feeling not everybody (laughs) likes that and um so you know and I wanted people to be engaged and um one of my friends I did post on Instagram topic ideas and her topic idea was intuition and to give a little backstory on, on her without using like her name because she's a therapist and so I don't think she really wants to put out the stories or anything. But um, a couple weeks ago, she was describing her job and she said that sometimes when she's listening to a client, she almost feels like a presence take over her that says you need to ask the question about, um, you know, a teacher in the past or their father it was like it wasn't like she was even it wasn't even like the words that her client were, was saying was telling her to ask the question it was like a an intuition like a feeling came over her like I don't know why I need to ask this and it would always be right right dead on like the person would be like what the heck how did you know like I needed to you needed to ask that or why did you know there was an issue in that particular part of my life so when she said on Instagram that she wants to talk about intuition, I think that's where her thinking is. I think she wants to know, do you think that's God speaking? Do you think she's in touch with some sort of universal energy? I mean, where is that feeling of I need to ask this question coming from? Would you, th- would you say as the preacher? Well, what do you think? <laughs> I think um, my take on it, you're always doing this. You say, what do I think? But I ask you what you think first. I know, but I'm curious what you think. <laughs> I think she's a good therapist. I actually think she's a great therapist because she says my job is to be a, a clean slate. Like I am just an empty space basically and I have no ju- Her goal is not to be any sort of judgmental person. Right. I think when you open that space to somebody and you make that eye contact and you clear all your, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, preconceptions, uh-huh. that you can feel energy that's not spoken or, or heard. And it's like maybe that connection is God, though. That, that connection that we all talk about of being one, I think that's really it. So mm. in that way, I think it is God. In the way of like a man in the sky saying, you must ask this question. I don't think that's it. I think she's really tapping into the other person's soul. Yeah, is my guess. You know, while I was while I was, it's unfortunate for those of you listening that you don't have a chance to look at Katie while she speaks because um, her expression is really remarkable. And what I was noticing while you were speaking is um, I was having what um, some people call like a download, like like revelation, maybe the mm-hmm. same thing that your therapist friend has. 
it's a, a bit of like revelation. I, I dare say that the world in which I was raised, um, uh, I, I got the experience that spirituality was always on the invisible and it was something that you had to really work to have happen and you, you had to make time to, to get really, really quiet and sit in the right position or burn the right incense, let's say, or create the environment for something mysterious to take place. But the older I get, the more I'm realizing that um, our physicality is very spiritual. Like, like we notice things that happen on all levels really, really fast. Mm. Like, like it's possible that a therapist who's really good at her work, she's definitely on the spiritual path, or, or he. Um, and the way she or he is intuiting is through subtle movements of the hand, the eyes, the eyelashes, the, uh, the aversions. Um, the twitches, the, the, the stiffening, the, mm. the softening. Um, spirituality is not just invisible. I think we are physical beings. Yeah. Our spirituality expresses physically. That might be why uh, aromatherapy is so beautiful. Or um, For the listeners, um, what I have in my hand is I have a teacup. Uh, it actually says sexy mama. This is not <laughs> mine, it's Katie's. But she created some drink that has, what is it, apple cider and... Turmeric, ginger, lemon, honey, and cinnamon. Really good. And it has just enlivened my um, my being. Oh, good. It's supposed to be anti-inflammatory, so I don't know. Maybe that's your. I'm experiencing (laughs) a sweetness of life, and I think that's physical and spiritual. Yeah, it's funny you say that because yesterday I was listening to something, and they mentioned grounding, and I hadn't really heard of it as far as earth grounding with your feet. Yeah. And ever since I was a little girl, I've always loved being barefoot in dirt. Yeah. Like, it's always been a thing I've liked. Yeah. And, I, and I never really understood why, but apparently there's a connection to the earth. I mean, this is the hippy-dippy version, yeah. so um, that, that connects to your body and actually affects, like, your blood and your free radicals and, and all these things. And so anyway, when you're talking about your body being so part of spirituality and and maybe it's also just part of the universe, like how connected we are to nature. Yeah. So I, I find spirituality most in nature. I just always go back to nature and how we are so much a part of it. And we think we're these higher beings that are put on earth or something. We're not like this integral part, like a river. And I just think we're like rivers we're, or a tree. We're part of the system and have a perfect place in it. Nicely put. And we're always... We're removing ourselves, I feel like, more and more from it. Like now we wear shoes all the time. We're, on, we're never actually grounded in the earth like we were used to be. And I thought, wow, maybe that's why intuitively I just loved having my feet in the dirt or on the beach. You know, I've always loved to be barefoot too. And I love being barefoot in the dirt. And my mate is the opposite. And, hmm. and so um, I hadn't thought about how often in my adult life I've been, I've been um, uh, I'm trying to find the right word. I have been um, persuaded to wear shoes when secretly I want to be barefoot. But while you spoke, I was thinking um, one of my one of my colleagues, really more like a teacher, like a mentor. Whenever there's trouble, she goes outside and she sits down under a tree and literally leans back on the tree and closes her eyes and sits there for a while. Hmm. Whenever there's trouble. I used to do that when I was young too. You go sit under a tree. I would climb a tree, a specific tree in my backyard. Was it a fruit tree? 
I don't remember. Mine was an apricot tree. Oh. I would climb an apricot tree. That's where I would hide. Yeah, me too. I don't know if mine, I don't think there was fruit. I would have remembered that. Oh, I do. How funny. Okay, yeah. go on with your story. She leans behind the tree. Yeah, and so against when, it. Whenever there's um, whenever there's trouble in her community, like um, like a local, let's say a local uh, a, a, a social uprising or um, a shooting or something that that really causes her spiritual community to be soft and worried. Why she, do you say soft? Um, I'm choosing my words carefully. Uh, sometimes outraged when people are outraged or um, scared or retaliatory or when I say soft, I'm thinking um, raw, mm, okay. like, like raw and unsettled and, and not necessarily um, strong and firm, but maybe a little worried. When people yeah, are a bit it's worried. funny when you say soft, I immediately think of it as a, a weakness, like not a good thing to be called but why i don't, I don't, I don't think know. it shouldn't be it's so what she will do is she will take she will take her mobile phone and she'll go sit down under a tree and she'll do a little selfie and post it on on her social media for her spiritual community and i happen to be one of her followers and every time i see it she's under a tree hmm. and i asked her about that and she said when she's really worried and can't get plugged in she she goes and puts her body on the earth hmm. and she suggests people do that slow down and connect with nature. Hmm. That's good advice. Yeah. But she's on that tree a lot. Does that mean she's worried a lot? Well, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You know, when you're kind of in our business, maybe like a, like a preacher or a mother. Yeah. You, you, well, you're in even, triage a lot. Even if you're not, there is a lot you could be worried about. If you're watching the news. If you're watching the news, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of that. Yeah. What's up? I know you have a specific stance on that kind of stuff, but what? explaining it. The news? Well, on um like if something is bothering you and you want to be a force against it. Okay. You know, some would say stand your ground, fight against it, you know, get your get your guns, battle it head on, right? And it's then creating some turmoil and and then well, I'd like you to explain your own view because I think I understand it, but I am not sure I do. But how, how, for instance, if somebody, let's say, isn't happy with um, the idea of the wall being put up, how would you suggest that person create some sort of change for that not to happen? Is that too loaded of a question? <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one. Um, the wall. I mean, you don't, I guess you don't have to be specific with the wall. I guess what I'm saying is every day when you look on Facebook or on the news, it's just people arguing about something yeah. that's happening. And some of these issues are so passionate in the hearts of people um, that it's like we're just yelling over each other. And then... Personally, I always find it hard to find where I want to sit with it. So, like, I don't want to join the anger. I don't want to be part of the hate. But I also don't want to just quietly sit back and not at least in some way push against what I feel is, like, humanitarian wrongs and people are being, being hurt by this, you know? It feels like there's just, this isn't okay. Yeah, I get it. 
you know, but not to join it. And where, where do you find yourself? When I was a little kid, um, context being that, that ours was the house in the neighborhood where all the kids tended to hang out. So we had a swimming pool in the backyard. And the Catholic church we attended was on the other end of the same block. And it was um, a mixed race community in East LA. Um, uh, very working class, probably blue collar, definitely not white collar. Um, when kids would get out of school, most of them would come at our house and we'd hang out. So there were always a lot of kids around. And oftentimes there would be, um, there would be uh, uh, wrestling or fighting or disagreements or loud um, arguments. And I noticed that my mother never, ever, ever yelled. She didn't yell, mm. ever. But I, I know now as an adult, when I look back on it, she actually never needed to. When my mother became very still and very quiet, everybody around her tended to become very still and very quiet. And I think I learned something from that. Um, she didn't, now I have siblings. I have siblings who, who um, from my perspective, raise their voices and get kind of into yelling matches with their kids. And I never really see how that resolves. I mostly walk away from it because it's just frustrating. I imagine it's frustrating for them too. But in answer to your question, I think there's a part of my mother that's alive when things are chaotic and when there's a lot of yelling and arguing going on. I'm not necessarily hearing solution or cooperative co-creation. So cooperative co-creation, um, then everybody's kind of turned outward looking together in the same direction for a common cause. And when it's in the fighting stage, I'm just learning to sort of be quiet and be still because I think I can impact a group in my quiet and in my stillness. So a few years ago, when I first met Mauricio, I had um, two dogs, Dobby and Winky. They are um, Brussels Griffon. Do you know mm. what kind of dog that is? They really have the long... Yeah, they have, um, they have a... a, a a recessed nose, a very high nose in between the eyes. There, remember the movie with Jack Nicholson, As Good As It Gets? Mm -hmm. The little dog that yeah, he threw yeah. in the trash chute? Yeah. <laughs> I had two of those. One of them was Winky, the female, and Dobby was the male. Dobby was probably the sweetest creature I ever met in my whole life. And not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Winky, on the other hand, was... <laughs> His name. She, she was... <laughs> A female dog. Hmm. The, the B word. Bitch. Oh, yeah. She was definitely that. And <laughs> she was a handful. And um, she pretty much ran my household. And she was tiny. She was like, I don't know, four pounds. Oh, winky. <laughs> but what's interesting is... Um, She's probably mad you gave her that wussy name. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. That may be so. That may be so. Um, by the way, Winky's a character in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. I knew Dobby was. I didn't. I know most know people Winky. don't know Winky. She's in book four, and she's only in the book. She doesn't make it in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, Winky is a, a house elf who is very, very sad because she she um, is no longer able to serve her master because she broke some rules. Oh. So her master um, cut her loose, and so she has no purpose. So she spends her whole life now drunk on butterbeer. Oh, no. And no. all the other house elves keep covering her with a tablecloth to hire her. Anyway, Winky. When I'm telling you about Winky, um, 
all Mauricio had to do was look at Winky and she became the beta dog. He clearly was the alpha in the way he was with her. He didn't yell at her. He didn't insist. You know, I hear some people with their dogs, stay, 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 right. stay. Like as if getting louder is going to make them And, and then there are some people who literally just put their hand out and the dog will stop. Yeah. Well, that now, was always Caesar Milan's thing. Did you well, ever watch that show? So he's an alpha. Yeah. And and that's, he'd always train the, the people, not the dog. When did he would, you, exactly. Would so in answer to your question, um, aren't we being called to be alpha? And an alpha typically knows everything is going to be okay. An alpha doesn't need to resort to, to, um, to catastrophizing or to yelling. An alpha, of course, takes action. So sometimes you have to take action. But your action will be, I think, from a very profound, powerfully driven stand for something and not so much a reaction stand against something. Because standing against something often calls me just to yell. Standing for something moves me into action. Right. So what moves me powerfully into action? Did, did I answer your question? What would your action look like? Is that more... Regarding the things we're against? Yeah, so would it be something you would write or would it be an organization that you back that's doing the opposite of what is being done? I mean, what would like that kind of action look like rather than... I'm getting my picket signs, I'm going yelling and screaming with my megaphone, and I'm defriending all my friends who voted that way, and all of that stuff. Like, what does it look like? Because hmm. I feel like we talk about it in broad terms, and that's great, but like, what do I time, so, time to get nitty gritty, let's figure it out. The nitty gritty <laughs> is, um, I don't know enough to have an opinion about a wall. Right. I don't know enough. So to even pretend to have an opinion is actually to pronounce my ignorance. I don't know enough. For all I know, there's a wall between Canada and the US. I don't know that. I don't know if there's walls between counties. I don't know. So, so I'm, you asked what are like doable things. For me, things I can actually do, I can slow down and go outside and sit under a tree. I can talk to people like you. I can hang around with people who seem to be alphas, who are peaceful who seem to be living the kind of life that I want to live. And, and then I'm mostly driven into action. But, but probably the first thing I would do is stop myself from um, catastrophizing. And I might ask myself, what do I really, really know? So there's a, there's a website. My nephew is a graduate from, um, uh, he just got his MBA last, last summer. And he's one of those super smart 20-something-year-olds, like when he speaks, like you, uh, people listen. And he sent me the link to this website that, that all you have to do is type in the news, whatever news article, let's say fire on 4th Street or earthquake in Timbuktu, and then you'll get three distinct viewpoints. You'll get the left, the right, and the center. And you can see them side by side and you can actually see how interesting it is that the same story is told in such distinct ways they don't even resemble the truth. Uh, sorry, they don't even resemble each other. Right. But it's a, it's a very interesting thing for the brain to witness um, what look like three distinct scenarios, but they're all purported to be the same uh, source. Mm-hmm. Are you, does that make sense? No, it makes sense. 
And I'm so one one thing in answer to your question is maybe to get more information from outside yeah. my network. I think you're spot on on that. And in a way, what I've learned because I I do try to do that and. It's almost frustrating because you read one part and you, you, oh, that makes sense. And then you read the other side and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Exactly. And then you find yourself kind of even not sure how to stand. <laughs> uh-huh. And there's paradigms that I have believed in before, which I don't want to go into now because they're controversial. But I thought I had it down. I thought there's no way this could be wrong. And I've had people say, just go look into it, go deeper. And I did. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Then it flipped it. And I was like, if if that could have if I could be on shaky ground with that, like there's almost nothing that I don't allow room for my mind to be blown anymore. Like right. there's nothing. I mean, except for maybe the world is flat. Although, I don't know, maybe we're all in a dream. <laughs> I mean, there's still <laughs> there's still part of me that could potentially somehow I mean, I'm ninety-nine percent sure. But to your point the only thing that ever really gets me is when I see pain, especially to kids. Like when we separated the families. Like I don't even really need to know what was valid in that. I just don't need to see a two-year-old being taken away from a parent. There has to be a better way. There just has to be. And when I see that stuff, like that's like what gets me more than the politics. Like when I, when I learn about, you know, taxes here and taxes there and what they do. I can see people's point of view. I can even see people's point of view with the gun debate. I get it. I get that, you know, we're, it's your guns. We should have our right to own a gun. And then I also get the other side, like it's a powerful weapon. Why don't we have more control? I mean, the both sides make sense to me. So I can't even sit solidly on that ground even. Although I have an opinion if I had to choose. Um, but, you know, it's so true. It's so true. And, and I will be the first to admit that I'm oftentimes ignorant when I, when I have stood my ground and said some sort of piece online and then I look at the other side, there's a lot I didn't know. I, there's a lot I didn't know about guns. I've never really shot a gun. I, why would I know anything about it until I went and researched about it, you know? Um, so it's totally true. It's hard to do, though. And it also, I think, when you realize you're wrong, or at least there's another side, it's hard to then say you didn't know. Like it's hard to then admit to yourself that you had it wrong. I think I wonder how much of that happens. Like I'm just gonna stick to this you know, thing because that's what I wanna stick to. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I think, it's de- I think you're right on with the more knowledge part. And to your point, I think you've said before, in order to get people to listen, you can't be angry. And you definitely can't start off saying they're an idiot like we do. <laughs> That's not going to get anyone to listen, right? That so never you, worked for my dad. No, it never works. So you had mentioned before um, an article. Maybe we'll post this to our Facebook page. We started a Facebook page, by the way. Um, oh, we did? Yeah, we did. I haven't seen it yet. I think I invited you, but I've only invited two people because I'm trying to work out the quirks, so I don't want it to... I'm not, you know. You're not anyway. ready for it to get exciting. Well, I'm trying to get a few things on there. I want to post all of our Are you our old podcasts. enough to be on Facebook? Am I old enough? Aren't you a different generation? Like Facebook belongs to my generation? No. It started before, with a generation before me. That's me. And Stan- no, after me, sorry. Stanford, right? Oh, no, no. Anyway. Anyway, James Clear. Yes. Right? Love you, James you have Clear. this article that you've 
told people to read and I've read it and it gives really clear instructions on how to get people to listen to yeah. your point of view. And maybe we'll post that on the Facebook page. I don't know if we're running out of time. It also gives people a chance to for you to listen to other people's points of view. Yeah. Yes. Like people who um people who are kind and who I respect, it's very easy to listen to their point of view. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that article is, is basically to be somebody's friend first, right? Yeah. And, and if you know somebody and trust somebody and realize that they're not really wackos, and then maybe one in ten topics, they come up and say something that's a little contrary to your beliefs. A little wacko. A little wacko. Since you've invested time into getting to know them and being kind to them and sharing bread with them, they might be more inclined to give you a little more leeway into listening to possibly your sort of what would have seemed like maybe wacko. an al-wacko kind of viewpoint. Yeah. Or at least maybe not adopt it, but hear it. Because a like lot the, of it, they just don't, we're not even listening to each other. We're not you even You mean like hearing. the world is not, maybe not flat? Yeah. <laughs> they may think you're totally wacko. What do you mean it's not flat? But, I just, you know. But I love Katie and she's been right nine out of ten times, so... I'll give some, some thought to the world not being flat. They'll probably talk me into it being flat. Maybe. And I'll become one of those. Maybe. So where's that Band-Aid? Oh, you want me to get it for you? Um, <laughs> this one's... I'm getting excited about a Star Wars Band-Aid. <laughs> Hopefully we still have them. Uh-oh. Well, anything else that uh, comes to mind? Um, you said something. You had a friend. You had a friend or you had an idea at the beginning. Today. Oh, the intuition? Oh, is that what it was? She just, it was a general topic, intuition. I think we did kind of answer that. Yeah. Maybe. Well, we never how, really know. How do mothers know the difference between the cry that says I'm wet, the cry that says I'm hungry, and the cry that says I'm angry? Mm. To me, they all sound exactly the same, but a mother knows. The mother does know. A mother knows even without a cry. Yeah. I can tell in my kids' eyes, and it's not in fathers. I mean, it might be. <laughs> It's not in general, I've noticed. You're going to get some hate mail. Sorry. It's, I really just don't think it is as strong. In general, I'm going to okay. say this is in general, so I'm sure there's um, you know, other things. But the mom takes the role of knowing when their kid is sick, knowing when they're off. Um, they just know more than the dad. Okay, so let's pretend for just a moment... That the mother loves her children so much it's beyond description. So there's what's present is a profound and powerful love, which causes her to intuit all kinds of stuff. Mm. Isn't that a great argument for us to just love life? Yes. That it's such a powerful, profound experience that we can intuit all kinds of things from it. I like that. That's the story of Harry Potter. Harry Potter comes full circle. Exactly. Where's my band-aid? Okay, should we sign off? Signing off. All right, well, we covered Harry Potter, intuition, what to do if... Trees, you, dirt, trees, walking dirt, grounding. <laughs> um, Gun control. A little bit of sex in the city. Oh, yeah, gay. <laughs> gay. Walls. <laughs> Walls. All this, wow, that was a good one. Okay, well, I thought it was good. I um, did too, and Facebook. And Facebook that I'm not too old for. Okay, well, we'll see you, uh, see you all next week. Thank you for listening. All right. Audio? Oh, did you like the oh. opening with Tess? What was Tess saying? Oh, Tess was saying spiritual involution. Spiritual involution. Her little cute voice. How old is Tess? Two. Two. Almost three, though. Oh, she's getting so old. All right, bye, bye. guys. <laughs>